go to the National Toxicology Program webpage on cell phones. So you type in National Toxicology Program cell phones and go to the NTP National Toxicology page. And you will see what they say. Clear evidence of cancer. We found DNA damage. They have a whole Q&A. It's much more nuanced. Uh, and it's, but they don't dismiss the findings. So we're in this strange situation where the FDA is saying they don't agree with the NTP. It's going to be a really neat behind the scenes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. Because something always magical happens. Wait, what? Did you just make that up? Hey, it's Meredith For Real, the Curious Introvert. Listen each week as I talk with someone new. The topics are as ADD as I am, but they'll inspire you to stay curious and grow. Big thanks to our location sponsor, the UWF Historical Trust. Hey, Curiositors, it's Joe Sills from the Get Lost Podcast, where I take you on a mind travel adventure around the world. If you love stories from National Geographic and Discovery Channel, you'll dig the Get Lost Podcast, where we interview actors, writers, and crew members that travel the globe in search of adventure. You're listening to Meredith For Real, the Curious Introvert. Here's your host, Meredith. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. I hope you liked that guest intro by my friend Joe. I genuinely know that y'all would love his travel podcast, so be sure to check it out. I strive to bring you content that is bright and meaningful, as you know, but also serves up a perspective that you wouldn't necessarily have easy access to. In our digital lives, we have an algorithm, and it serves us with what it thinks we want to see and hear. Great for entertainment, but you know, bad for accurate perspective because it backs us into a bubble of sameness. And in our real lives, we have routine and human nature, which also lends us to gravitate towards repetition and like-minded people. So seeking out other vantage points doesn't exactly make the to-do list. So that's what I try to offer here, new perspective in an entertaining and 30-minute commute-friendly format. This episode was months in the making, and I sought out the most evidence-based resource I could find on the subject of cell phone safety. It's tricky business considering the rapid development of cell phone technology and, well, you'll hear why else. Before you listen, though, I want you to know that I fact-checked everything she said. I have links to every study she mentions, plus a couple of other resources for you I think you'll find very helpful, and those will be in the Saturday email. If you're in the U.S., you can get that email by texting REAL to 66866. And if you're elsewhere, go to MeredithForReal.com. If you're listening past the week that this airs, no worries. When you subscribe to the emails, I'll send you a link to all of the archived ones too. You know, because I'm nice like that. If you're already getting my emails, you're probably a loyal listener. And for that, thank you. I've recently heard there are 2.5 million podcasts on earth. So the fact you choose mine, it's a major compliment. And if you're new here, I'm so glad you're here. I started this podcast in 2019 as a project to inspire people to choose curiosity over judgment. Each guest brings a personal development opportunity along with their story so you can stay curious and grow. There's no particular order in which you have to listen to episodes, so just have a look around and hit play on whatever grabs your attention. All right, enjoy the show. In the 1990s, the most affluent of us traded our beepers for smaller size cell phones. Then in 1998, the first downloadable content came onto the scene, the polyphonic ringtone. In 1999, 
Nokia came out with the first phone with a web browser. With cell phones comes nostalgia. But do they also come with health risks? My next guest is the executive director of the Environmental Health Trust, an environmental think tank that publishes research and educates policymakers on environmental health issues. Today, she's going to share insight into the known and unknown health impacts of EMFs and how we can live in a modern world minus the tinfoil hats. Policy analyst, clinical psychotherapist, survivor of teenage parenting, Theodora Scarato. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, let's open up with some definitions. And please feel free to talk to us like we're fifth graders, not those smart fifth graders that are on a TV show, but like the slow ones. So what are EMFs? EMFs stands for electromagnetic field. And with that many syllables, when I first heard it, I will admit, I was like, what in the world is that? I went into uh, social work, as you noted, uh, not physics. But there are invisible signals that are everywhere. There's, and we all know what x-rays are, x-rays, atomic bomb radiation. These are ionizing types of electromagnetic fields. What I am talking about are EMFs or electromagnetic fields that are non-ionizing, thought to be harmless for many, many years, considered to be only harmful if they heat things up. In fact, uh, your microwave oven uses an electromagnetic field to heat your food. And cell phones are two-way microwave radios, actually. They use microwave radiation, but at very, very low levels much lower than would heat your food. Obviously, you don't want to heat your brain, right? So the way that the government set our limits in 1996, which is 26 years ago, was by setting limits that don't heat tissue, don't cook tissue. So what we're involved in at Environmental Health Trust, in addition to a lot of uh, other environmental exposures, is electromagnetic fields, which are non-ionizing, like your cell phone, your um, Wi-Fi, your Bluetooth. Uh, let's give you some more examples. Um, your smart speaker, your smart watch, everything smart, cell towers, small cells, 5G, all of those use invisible electromagnetic fields to communicate. And the limits that we have were based in 1996, they have not changed since. So if you think about it, you're, you're in your car, would you drive in a car with uh, safety standards that had not been reviewed by experts for 25 years? Probably would you ride not. in an airplane no. that hadn't been even looked at, where they hadn't even looked at the safety measures in place for 25 years? And that's where we are with this issue. And what's the tipping point for when these exposure levels become harmful? Well, what we have been advocating for is to identify, is to come up with by our federal health and safety agencies, what are proper safety standards? Because the standards we have are absolutely irrelevant. They're only based on heating tissue. They're not based on chemical changes, biochemical changes that have been found uh, in scientific, published science, credible science. Uh, there's been cancer found and um, memory damage and many other effects. And there really needs to be 
a just a robust review, like reviewing everything, kind of like when you go to the doctor and they ask you all those questions to make sure they're not missing anything. You know, what's really going on with you? What are your symptoms? In the same way, we need an evaluation of this issue to set proper safety standards, because right now it's like we have a, a 200 mile an hour speed limit that we're allowing all of this into our environment without really looking at the issue and setting safety standards that protect people and birds and bees and trees. So you're saying that the health impacts are measurable, but the studies aren't being done? Oh, so there are many studies that have been going on for decades that have found effects that are not heating effects. They're not the microwave oven heats the tissue, which is, and um, those studies have been attacked actually by uh, powerful groups. Um, Even our own US government did a $30 million study with rats the National Toxicology Program Animal Study, that was nominated by the FDA in order to understand what effects might be in humans. Because of course you wouldn't want to experiment on people. You wouldn't want to expose people and then see what happens, certainly not children. So they did this study, they found cancer, and they also found DNA damage in animals that were only exposed for uh, 14 to 19 weeks. And that has been attacked as being irrelevant, but we test drugs with animals. We, we are advocating that, the, that this study, uh, the findings from that study in combination with the other studies that have looked at people who use cell phones, that there be a risk assessment done to take that data and identify, you know, figure out what level then do we set to protect humans? It's something that they do with a lot of other animal studies, but they haven't done it with this one. Instead, it's been stated that it's irrelevant uh, and it wasn't developed because it wasn't going to be useful to people. Kind of a long story, but you can go to our website and learn more about that. There's research showing oxidative stress, uh, which can affect all different aspects of your ability to be resilient. You know, if you have other health issues, you don't want to have a lot of oxidative stress all the time in your body over time that can uh, lead to a myriad of effects. We know that children are more, also we have to think about children. So children absorb more radiation compared to, uh, they're more exposed compared to adults from the same device because they have thinner skulls and they are more conductive. Their tissues are more conductive to non-ionizing electromagnetic fields or wireless radiation. And they also have rapidly developing brains. So they will be more affected. So when you think about what's a safe level for children, there was a study that was just published that was by environmental working group saying the limit we have needs to be stronger by 200 to 300 times what it is. 200 to 300 times for kids? Yes, because the limit that we have is not protective. Like that's how bad our limits are. They are outrageously uh, set too lenient. Mm -hmm. And other governments in other countries actually have limits that are much lower than the U.S. So we are among the highest in the world in terms of what we allow from cell towers 
what we allow just swimming around in the air. I have a question about that rat study. I went to the FDA website and I went to the, um, the WHO website. And the first time I went to the WHO website, it said that EMFs were a potential carcinogen. And this was several months ago um, when I was initially researching this subject to introduce it on the show. I since went back and I can't find that information. And then, so that was confusing. And then I went to the FDA website and uh, it, I, I believe it was the FDA website where it said scientific evidence of cell phone safety. But then when I read the article, it didn't actually demonstrate cell phone safety. It simply said, we don't really know. Um, which I found additionally confusing. And then they cited the rat study, which I assume is the same one. It Maybe it's different. But then it said, oh, the rats that were exposed to EMFs, they actually lived longer. So I can see why this is such a confusing subject for so many of us because we are, A, beholden to our devices, right? You just mentioned at the beginning, it's not just about cell phones. We have all these smart devices. Um, and B, information is, uh, it's dizzying. It's hard to figure out, okay, up from down. So can you help shed some light on some of these studies and, and why in the U.S. at least we have this fractured, um, information is so fractured among different websites? Well, these are very good questions. So uh, if I were coming into this issue, I would be extremely confused for everything that you're raising. The FDA, something that any of your listeners can do is go to that FDA site and see that they never actually say that the rat study found clear evidence of cancer in the male rats or that it found DNA damage. And in fact, it found a heart damage in the male and female rats, but instead it says that, doesn't say that. There's actually un, un, inaccurate facts on the FDA website. Now, if you want to really dive in and just think about it for a second, go to the National Toxicology Program webpage on cell phones. So you type in National Toxicology Program cell phones and go to the NTP National Toxicology page. And you will see what they say, clear evidence of cancer, we found DNA damage. They have a whole Q and A. It's much more nuanced, uh, and it's but they don't dismiss the findings. So we're in this strange situation where the FDA is saying they don't agree with the NTP. Now the FDA has. Well, let me say this: no federal health and science agency, as far as we know, has looked at all of the science, even though it seems that way when you go to the to the FDA. They have a literature review, but they didn't actually do a proper risk assessment. That's why we filed against the FCC and uh, against the U.S. government. I mean, we had to file against our own government to call this out because the FCC said that there's no reason to change their limits. Yet the science that they have really, in, in our estimation, shows that it does. And we won that case. Now there's a next step because uh, what we did is say, you didn't look at all the science. Now the FCC has to relook at it and explain itself. And, um, you know, I don't know where they're gonna get their information from. That's why we're asking them to reopen, to really look at everything because there has been like the EPA was defunded from looking at this in 1996. 
the EPA has not been involved. And I was shocked to learn that when I learned about this issue myself. So the information is fractured because the way that it's even being researched is fractured? Well, the, in 2015, the Harvard put out a report calling the FCC a captured agency, captured by the industry that it's supposed to regulate. We have this situation where people in our government agencies that are supposed to protect us are, in fact, former executives of that very industry, as you can see from the FCC. The Harvard Report uh, Captured Agency by Norm Alster also talked about how uh, there's so much money going into Congress. I mean, why, why are our elected officials not doing anything? Well, there's so much money at stake here uh, financing our elected officials, as well as going into public these campaigns that make us all, I mean, have you not seen a 5G ad? Like I get them all the time and it seems like it's the next best thing and it's going to bridge a digital divide, solve all our problems and help education. But um, the data doesn't show that it actually is going to do any of those things. But that is what people think from what they see and hear online by paid information. And 5G is um, a combination of frequencies. Can you explain, again, in fifth grader mode, what 5G is? Because we're a little confused why we even need it. I was having some conversations about what we were going to talk about just with some people in my life. And they were like, "Uh, do we need 5G? Like, I'm good. Like, myself, you know, everything works fine. Do we really need it to be faster? Why are there more towers everywhere if it's more powerful. A lot of it isn't, again, a lot of it is confusing. So first explain what 5G is, if you don't mind. Hey everyone, just a quick interruption to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. The UWF Historical Trust. We shoot the show at the Museum of Commerce and the Pensacola Museum of History. And it's not just an amazing step back into the 18 and 1900s, but it's an event space too. And because they love creative collaborations and have spaces for all party sizes, they're pretty much the perfect venue to make your event stand out. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. It seems like no one can agree on anything nowadays, but I have found the unifier to unite us all. Mosquitoes suck. Mine were so bad, they were in my car. Have you ever tried to swat a mosquito while driving? Not advised. Insect has been great because they guarantee their work and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. Now back to the show. So 5G is a term that's actually being used for many things, but it's being used to defend the rollout of thousands of new short cell towers that are going up in communities. Um, If you just type in 5G in your town or your state, you'll see it's being stated that we need 5G in order to tie together the internet of things. It's faster, smarter service. And people are literally waking up to new cell towers in front of their homes. So it's in neighborhoods 
They're called small cells, but they're short cell towers being built in neighborhoods. And we're being told that we need it. And a lot of people are saying, well, do I need it? My phone works fine. It's actually for companies, things companies are trying to do. They have networks and things that don't even have anything to do with our cell phones that are being implemented in communities or tested and 5G is being used for that. So it will mean the current frequencies we have now, the, the, the kind of technology we have now for 2 and 3G uh, cell phone frequencies. I haven't talked about frequencies, but the, the kind of non-ionizing radiation frequencies used. It will also use newer, higher frequencies that have been, never been used commercially in this way. And that has uh, created a situation where many scientists are saying, look, first of all, we have a problem with the current frequencies and that's going to increase the exposure in your neighborhood, in your, in your home, in your, in your, you know, the yard, in front of your house, your backyard. And then they're adding in higher frequencies that can have different effects um, and have not even been tested for long-term safety. And there is science showing impacts to bacteria, impacts to a different absorption to insects and other, other effects, which should cause us to take a pause. That's why thousands of scientists have been asking to pause 5G until safety is assured. So what other kind of health impacts do, do EMFs cause? All the studies that I read were about uh, cancer b because it was like holding your phone to your head. But I thought, I don't know anybody that talks on their cell phone. <laughs> we all have it in our back pocket or we're texting. You know, some people put it in their shirt, um, their front pocket. So have there been any studies on, the, uh, on other impacts and what are those? So a phone is not tested before it comes on the market to be touching your body like you described. It shouldn't be in your bra. It shouldn't be in your spandex pants. It shouldn't be in your pocket because when it is, it actually exceeds the government limits for what's allowed from the radiation. So when you put a device, a cell phone near your body, one thing that I learned that I was like, whoa, I had no idea was that phones are emitting radiation even when you're not using them. So you put it in your pocket, it's still uh, updating the apps. It might be accepting text that you're not looking at at that time. And every time it does that, that is being, the phone is catching the signal and some of that signal is going into your body when it sends back out and so forth. So there has been research showing damage to testes development, sperm damage, uh, case control studies on young women who put the phone in their bra and developed breast cancers, unusual breast cancers, not the kind you normally see, literally in the shape of a phone directly underneath where the phone was carried. Now this, uh, we actually have 26 women, uh, a list of them. They contact us and we you know, have lists of people who the, the case, the study that was published had a, a handful actually, but still very important because it was so unusual. But we have now a list of 26. And this should, you know, what will it take? Because 
They're not supposed to be touching our body. And here we have these young women with breast cancer. When you take a cell phone and a lot of, you know, I have teenagers now too. So that's a separate struggle to talk about, but you're getting (laughs) that full body radiation, right? When you hold the phone near your breast, even if it's not in your pocket. Mm. And a lot of people will rest the phone on their abdomen. I had my my step uh, nephew come over and he took the phone. We were sitting outside, outside party. He took the phone and sat on it. And I was just, you know, in shock. But then I thought, well, he's like a normal teenager. Like, this is apparently what they do. Where are you going to put the phone? He doesn't have a pocket. He sat on the phone. It was right under his special parts. Now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and pregnant women are putting the phone on their abdomen as a shelf. There's research that has shown in in mice, for example, damaged memory, hyperactivity. There's research that has shown prenatal exposure to human children, you know, when the mom is pregnant, linked to behavior problems, impacts to, um, to behavior and cognition, impacts to memory. So, you want to keep that phone away from your brain and also your reproductive organs. There is skyrocketing colon cancer right now in young adults. And Dr. Deborah Davis, our president, just published a paper. Well, not just, but um, published a paper last year uh, talking about, you know, could that be from these, the cell phone that's in our, po- our back pockets, our front pockets, you know, and, or in combination with all the other toxins that we're exposed to. There've been research showing synergies, meaning, you know how your doctor says, you can't take this medicine with that medicine. It's like that with EMFs because it can increase the effect of a known toxin. So oh, that's a lot. So it's a lot. Yes. You know, and in preparing for this episode, I looked up my own cell phone because I had heard that each cell phone actually comes with a warning label. And I thought, mm. I wonder if this is true. I definitely don't have the box or, you know, they don't actually give you the manual anymore. It's all online. Right. And so I Googled EMF warning, Google Pixel 5A, 5G, whatever my phone is. And sure enough, it said that not to hold it closer to your body than five eighths of an inch, which is about the size of my um, fingernail here, to your body and to use hands-free devices whenever possible. And I thought, <laughs> okay, this is, <laughs> this is real. Um, so for those of us that live in a modern world, we love our, our devices, how can we be safer um, about this while we're waiting for federal regulations to catch up and regulate the industry a little bit more? What are some practical things we can do to um, protect our bodies? Oh, so much. So much low-hanging fruit. So simple. Keep the phone away from your head. Don't carry it in your bra, in your pants pocket. If you do need to carry it, power it off. I'm not talking about turning the screen off. I'm actually talking about powering it off. I know that's hard. Some people that might be, I've gone too far. So I'm going to step back for a second. Okay. And I have a question about that. What if we put it on airplane mode? Okay. So airplane mode is really important to learn about. Airplane mode means you've turned off the antennas. But unfortunately, with the new, it used to be 
turn on airplane mode, the whole, everything's off. Now with some phones, and honestly it depends on the phone, you might have your Bluetooth on or your Wi-Fi on or something else on. So you really have to go into settings and turn everything off. Then you've got your antennas off. You can still take pictures. You can record videos. You can actually do tons of things on airplane mode. What you can't do is communicate back. So that's one thing to learn. But if you're putting it near your body, like carrying it, you actually want it to be off because it, I'm not going to, we don't have time for the other kind of electromagnetic field, but there's actually a, a, another kind of electromagnetic field, the magnetic field, the extremely low frequency fields that can be coming off the phone. So you just don't want a phone that's on on your body. Put it in a man bag or a purse or a bag of some sort or anyone's bag. So, um, but you want to learn about airplane mode, don't sleep with your phone. This is like super easy. Don't have your phone radiating on, get a battery powered alarm clock or turn it on airplane mode and have the phone that way. Oh, that's a good idea because the alarm will still work with airplane mode, right? Right. Like, I don't even know. That's how bad this is, is I'm just so <laughs> used to having it on all the time right. that when I began researching this, I was like, okay, I'm, it's on airplane mode and it's in my pocket. And then I went for a walk and I put it in my leggings as one does. And then yes. I realized, well, crap, I didn't download the podcast episode I wanted to listen to. So right. now I, you know, there, it was just a totally different way of thinking. Um, yeah. What about Bluetooth, like Bluetooth earbuds and headphones and stuff like that and mouses and keyboards? Yeah, whenever you can, use a wired mouse, not a wireless mouse. Instead of Bluetooth or any kinds of wireless anything, you want to use a AirTube headset or really put it on speaker when you can. And then so speaker is better than... Um, a wired earpiece, actually, because sometimes some radiation can travel up the wire. So there's something called an air tube headset. But uh, using using it on speaker, setting it here on speaker is great. You just gave like best tip ever, which is pre-download things. If you're going for a walk, pre-download your podcasts, pre-download your movies. Don't live stream things. Um, that way, you're not having that constant signal. Don't use a cell phone in the car. Uh Super important, right, for safety. I know people just are not doing this, driving around. I see it all the time. But, it, you know, unless there is an emergency, it can wait, really. And uh, you actually get more radiation in the car because the metal surroundings bounce everything around. Oh, so, wow. I didn't even think about that. That is very damning to these new cars that come with built-in Wi-Fi. These are all the challenges that we're trying to address with some new research to really capture what is the exposure to people. Um, I do know that if you're in a rural area and you're driving, every time your car, the phone is checking in with a new cell tower, like you're driving, your phone is always saying, hello, new cell tower. The cell tower says, hi, back. It's a handshake. Every time you do that, it'll peak. The radiation will peak, even if you're not using the phone, because Remember, the phone always knows, the cell towers always know where the phone is, as long as the phone is on. And that's through signals. So you want to have the phone off in the car. Um, and it's kind of lifestyle change in some ways. I mean, first, first step, clean out your nighttime. Mm -hmm. Easy. Oh, don't charge. Don't have the phone charging near your head. 
Oh, interesting. Which is a, would be uh, supporting the idea to maybe go to a battery uh, alarm clock. Well, I've been researching this for a few months, so I'm really excited that we're finally talking about it and making small changes myself for several months. And that was the first one. Well, no, that was the second one I made. The first one I made was to put our Wi-Fi on a timer so that from like 11 or midnight to six, it's not on. But then I got a $10 alarm clock from Amazon that had a battery. It's not even (laughs) plugged in. Um, And I kind of like it. So it's not, so I charged the phone in the other room. Um, What about um, EMF protective clothing? Or I've got some friends that put special stickers on their phones and I'm just not too sure about any of that. Is any of that been proven to be effective? You know, we have, there are so many things on the market that we have not necessarily found things to be as protective as is put forward. And there's really, we really don't speak on those except to just caution that what we need are, if the government would just accept that this is a thing and we have to address it, then we could have standards for judging what works and how it works. And until we have that, there isn't any uniform way, you know, all the companies say, well, our science shows that this is doing this. Well, how, how do we judge if there's not standards that we have? Like, for example, you know, it, it, it really is a challenge. And the problem with things that go on your phone, like uh, shielding on the phone or cases, is that if you don't use it the way you're supposed to use it, you could really get more radiation into yourself. If some people are buying these cases, giving it to their kids, and then their kids are keeping the case on and putting them in their pocket with the case. So basically pushing the radiation into their body because kids are not going to follow the way you're supposed to hold that if it does work, which I cannot speak on. So this is a, this is a real issue. There's been research EWG did that showed metal cases create certain kinds of exposures. I mean, really we need to address this at the federal level. And that's why if you're listening and you make some changes, also talking to your, to your elected officials. And, you know, when I learned about this, I had never, ever, I didn't even know who my elected officials were. Right. Right, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's understandable because we just kind of have a basic line trust that, you know, they're handling it. And yeah, I, I, so I, so (laughs) I relate to that feeling as we wrap up. Um, is, is there a way that listeners can learn more about the organization and maybe more practical tips to protect themselves while, again, while we wait for the government to catch up? (laughs) Yes. Uh, so environmental health trust, E H T R U S T dot org. Please sign up for our newsletter. We send out a newsletter at least once a month. We also have pages on how to reduce exposure at home, more how to reduce from your cell phone, like turn off apps uh, that aren't active. We have a YouTube channel. Um, We're on all social media. I know there's addiction problems with social media, but we have to use the highways that we have to share the information and we're trying to raise awareness. And we um, have tips from the American Academy of Pediatrics, from doctors, we have science, ehtrust.org. Perfect. Thank you so much again. This was amazing. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you want to fact check my guest, be sure to subscribe to my email list where I provide cliff notes to each episode. 
plus clickable resources. I've got links to the rat study she mentioned, the Harvard paper calling out the FCC, and more. Text REAL to 66866 or go to MeredithForReal.com. And if you liked this episode, you'll also like the one about digital privacy episode 80. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a journalist who discovered the real story behind why we believe eating fat causes heart disease. Talk to you then.